always see, uh, an absolute privilege to be able to speak with you guys. I'm so excited about what God's got in store for you and your household, but also what God's got in store for us as a church this calendar year, believing for something special, believing as the months roll on, we're going to look back and go, wow, God's really doing something. And do you know what? He's not going to do it on his own. He's going to do it with people like me and you. And so as we go on these journey of different messages, let's not just say, oh, that was nice. Let's get something in our heart that has to come out. Let's get something in our heart that makes us choose to live differently, choose to come together as a church in unity and push behind one vision and see some lives transformed. Now, wouldn't it be awesome if that person you've been praying for meets Jesus this year? Wouldn't it be awesome if this school is transformed because there's a church like us meeting in it? Wouldn't it be awesome if the people on this state hear that something's going on and they come and look and we're able to touch some lives? Wouldn't it be awesome if Colchester's a little bit different by the end of this year because a gang of faithful people said yes to Jesus? Can we do that? Can I get some feedback, church? On the three, can everyone just say yes? One, two, three. Yes. There we are. I knew there was a church in the building somewhere. I just got to dig it out. My, uh, my message title today, if you like titles and you all know I do, is this. It's love, actually. And um, yeah, you can see what I've done there. We watched it again over Christmas. Uh, quite a cool film. But it's a clever title and I didn't feel I needed to play with it. And the simplicity is brilliant because love looks different in different situations for different people. And the, I think it's fair to say that when we fully commit to love... When we fully commit to loving people in our thought, in our word, in our actions, when we fully commit to loving God, that's when we're closest to God. Because God is love. And so that when we make choices based on love, we actually touch the heart of the Father. We connect with him in a different way. That's how we know him best. And I think when you look at it like that, it's so simple. And yet probably all of us without fail overcomplicate it. And Jesus boiled it down brilliantly, didn't he? What's the greatest commandment, Jesus? And he said this, it's simple. Love God, love people. And when you simplify it like that, and I know we know that, but do we live like that or do we overcomplicate it? And I just think it's so brilliant because it's impossible to love God fully and hate people. That's impossible. So if we're going to choose to fully love God, what happens is we end up feeling his heartbeat for people. And we find ourselves loving people better. So if we love God, actually, it is demonstrated in how we love people so often. Jesus said something like this in John chapter 5 and verse 19. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. So, what's the father doing? Well, we see so much in the Bible. Bible, Biblia. You know, I think so often we get confused. Biblia actually means library. It's a book of holy books. It's not one book. It's lots of books put together. And what it does is it shows you the Father's heart for people, for humanity. It shows his redemptive purposes worked out over the course of time. It says something about who he is to us. And it's all the way through. It's his plan to redeem me and you. To shift something in our hearts, to put hope back in there, to reconnect us with him so that we can live an outrageous and full and exciting life. This is the Bible. And so if that's saying something of the Father's heart and Jesus comes down and says, 
I'm only going to do what the Father's doing. What do we see in Jesus? And I think it's obvious. We see him willing to stop in his busyness and listen to someone who's having a difficult time. We see him going out of his way to meet people in the midst of their struggle. We see him not condemning and criticizing, but loving, including, and forgiving, and empowering. See, this is what the Father's doing, and that's what we see in Jesus. He comes down and lives this life, and why is he doing that? Because I'm only doing what the Father's doing. Could that be something on our hearts this year? I'm only going to do what the Father's doing. Because that will cause us to live a little bit different. And I know we're all on a journey with that. But could we take a step forward? When we look at Jesus, he heals the broken and the hurting. He empowers those who feel disempowered. He includes those who are excluded and unloved. Jesus is love, actually. It's so simple. And yet I want to challenge myself and challenge you and challenge us to live out that word, love, actually. Could that be something that's the hallmark of our year? Can I challenge us? Church, our church, the church, it's time to love on the offense and not on the defense. It's time to get on the offense. And this is what I mean by that, and I hope you'll grab it. We have an enemy called Satan. The word Satan means adversary. He is against me and you because we're in tune with the Father. He doesn't want us to succeed. In fact, he wants us to fail. He's our enemy. And so when I start talking about love, hopefully you're feeling a bit stirred. Yes, I want to live like that. I want love on my lips. I want love in my actions. I want to think, that's what I want. But isn't it funny how we go out and by Wednesday we're finding it more difficult. Why? Because we have an enemy who's in our ear hole, who's trying to conspire things to mess it all up. But what are we going to do? I'm only going to do what the Father's doing. You can come against me, but you're not going to stop me. And this is how I believe it pans out. You might ask yourself this question. If I speak up, how will it be received? If I am generous, will they think I'm putting them down? If I stand up for someone, will others draw back from me? And what I believe happens so often is we overthink small acts of love and talk ourselves out of it. And it's like this overthinking. And do you know who's winning in the overthinking? Our enemy. I'll get them thinking about it. I'll whisper in their ear. Oh, don't do that act of generosity. You'll probably offend them. Oh, yeah, oh God, I, might offend. I wouldn't want to offend them. That's not my heart at all. I don't want to offend Oh, so maybe I won't do that. Who's winning? Oh, I want to stand up for that person. I can see they're really hurting right now. But if I stand up for them, maybe they'll think I'm not with them. And, oh, I, and you get caught between two, two stations and you overthink it. And then you don't do anything at all. But what did Jesus do? He stepped in, he spoke up, he stood with, he empowered, he loved. He didn't worry what people are thinking. He just did what the Father was doing. And that's our challenge. If you put love on display and it isn't received with the heart you intend it, here's a newsflash for you. Maybe, just maybe, you'll encounter the heart of the Father right there. Because he sent his son. And it was an act of love. God so loved the world that he sent his son. He sent his son and it was an act of love. And yet to this day, people shun him, ridicule him, withdraw from him. And his heart was only ever love, actually. And it's just like, did the knowledge that people might reject him 
stop the father sending his son? No. Hallelujah. He put his love on display. He put his heart out there. He was risk, willing to risk it all for people like me and you. And so if that's what the father's doing, what am I going to do? What are you going to do? What are we going to do? Because we've got to stop talking ourselves out of putting love on display. We've got to stop talking ourselves out of worrying about who's going to think what and just go there. Because someone might be blessed. Someone might be loved. Someone might just receive it with the heart it's intended. Here's the thought. Everyone is on a different stage of their journey in life. Some have cruised through have been loved, been accepted, been brought up well, have had provision. They know they're cared for. They've got good friends. They might have a romantic partner. It's all going well and generally life is good and I'm happy. Others might have been discarded, unloved, struggled, pushed aside, squashed. And then there's everything in between those two scenarios. How can we expect every one of those scenarios to receive your act of love in the same way? They've all got different filters. Someone who's been discarded and downtrodden, and, and there's you coming in and say, oh, I want to love on you. Would it be fair for them to be a little bit suspicious? No one's loved me. I've been squashed and now I'm defending myself and you're coming in trying to be all kind to me. I'm looking at it from our point of view. I'm trying to reach that person. They just keep pushing me away, keep pushing me away. Well, it's understandable, isn't it? Because of what they've been through. So it's not our role to decide how they're going to receive it or not receive it. It's our role to love people because they're on their own journey and we mustn't get offended or worried about that. We just need to do what the Father's doing. I love this, and it's, it's right here, and I love to bring pictures out of Jesus. Let me read this passage to you, and you'll know it in Luke 17, and verses 11 through 19. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into the village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he heard them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus', himself at Jesus feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? No one has returned to give praise to God except this foreigner. Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. What a picture. You know, what you need to understand is when a leper was cleansed, they had to go and show themselves and be given the, the okay, the all clear to, to go into society. And so what was happening there, Jesus just said, go and show yourself. And so it was an act of faith by all of them just to start going because at that point they weren't well yet, but on the journey they were cleansed. So there's faith going on in this, which is brilliant. But do you notice that right at the beginning, 10 men who had leprosy stood at a distance and said, Jesus, have mercy on us. Why didn't they just come up to him? Or should I tell you why? Because they had leprosy. And in that culture, the lepers were put out of society because it was so contagious, other people would get it. So what is their journey? They've been pushed out. No one speaks to them. No one goes near them. No one touches them. They're living on their own. What's that doing to hearts and minds? 
And so Jesus says, go and show yourself. And they're all excited and they go and show themselves. And only one comes back. Is Jesus all offended by that? Well, he asked the question, but it wasn't Jesus' issue to decide how they might receive it and how they might respond. It was Jesus' issue to love them. And it's now understandable, isn't it? These 10 guys who have been shunned by society have had a very difficult time, have probably struggled for a long, long, long time, have suddenly found themselves well. Maybe me or you wouldn't rush back to Jesus and say thank you. Maybe we'd rush to our families and go, I'm well. Maybe you'd want to grab life by the scruff of the neck because you've got a second chance and it bypasses you. Not everyone's going to say thank you because everyone's gone on a different journey. So I want to challenge us as a church, I want to challenge you as an individual to stop worrying about how people might receive your love, but just choose to love anyway. Because then you're doing what the Father's doing. And then in that moment you connect with him. We just need to love people full stop. I was really proud of my daughter Evie last week. She went into town, 13 years old now, and you know that 13 year old girls need to hang out in town. And I'm shabba-dabba doing at home, protect her, Lord God. And uh, she goes into town. She's very proud of her, mature for her age. And I think it was a group of six or seven girls went in there. And um, you know how it is with young girls, you know, hormones developing, self-esteem developing, all wanted to look the part and all those kind of things. Uh, I'm still trying to get past that myself. And um, they were in one of the shops and they got into a lift. And this girl was the last one to get into a lift and one of the girls who's a bit unkind sometimes said to her, oh maybe you shouldn't get in your weight down too much and she's 13 years old dealing with all of her issues and what do you do in that moment what would you do in that moment when you were 13 years old and they, you know they're all sort of looking at each other going that was way harsh wow you know I think Teenagers are more aware of the harmfulness of words now probably than years ago. I think we're learning that. And Evie had a moment. Because on the one hand, you want to stand with the crowd. On the other hand, this poor girl, who doesn't have a weight issue actually, has just been called out in front of everyone. And so Evie stepped up. Go on, Evie. She went, no. Don't say that. That's not right. That's unpleasant. Apologize. There's nothing wrong with you. Get yourself in there. I'm going, go on, Evie. So proud. Because do you know what? As a 13-year-old girl, you'd much rather fit in and be one of the gang than stand out and love the one who's been excluded. But she didn't. You, sometimes we've just got to step up. Sometimes we've got to be prepared to be a little bit uncomfortable. Sometimes we've got to stand with the person who's excluded rather than the gang that's included because that's what Jesus did. That's the heart of the Father. So I was super proud of her. It's not okay. We need to be offensive with our love, not defensive. Defensive in that situation would have made Evie feel like, that was wrong, that was. But I'm going to stand with the gang, and later on I'm going to go up to her and go, are you okay? That's still love. But offensive love is hit it when it's happening. Offensive love is, no, it's not okay, I'm stepping in. Could we get some of that grit into our journey? You know, we need to be taking opportunities by the scruff of the neck. We want to be vessels of healing and hope, don't we, church? Don't we want to be people who are putting ourselves out there? And here's what I found in my faith journey. The more I do stuff, the easier it becomes to do. 
And the more easy it becomes to do, the bigger things I'll do. Because that worked, I'll do some more. And suddenly, when you were doing things that I would consider here, suddenly you're doing things that I would consider here, not because I'm brilliant, just because I've had a little bit of faith here and taken a step. And I've been a little bit brave here and taken a step. I've spoken up when other people kept quiet and taken a little step. I've given when other people withheld and I've taken a little step. And suddenly you're living just a little bit closer to God because I took a bunch of little steps. Could we take a bunch of little steps? Simply deciding, I'm going to love actually, is a great decision you can make today. You know, when you look at the feeding of the 5,000 story, you'll all be familiar with it. If we were to look at that story through the, the eyes of the lad who had a meal for one, I don't know how you view it, but he had well, he have two, two fish and five loaves. That's quite a chunky meal for one, I'm thinking. Two whole fishes and five loaves. I mean, that's quite a chunky meal. But it was a meal for one nonetheless. And he can see all that's around him. You know, I think it would be fair to say that it was probably 5,000 men, plus the women, plus the children. So let's call it 10,000 minimum, possibly 15,000 people. The Colchester football stadium holds 10,000 people, to put it in perspective. That's more than the stadium being full. And he's got lunch for one. And there's this need. What was his thought process? And it would have been various things. It could have been this. I've got my meal. If I give this away, I might not eat. That's a thought process that we could have, he could have had. He could have had this thought process. I've got my meal for one. Look at all these people. That's not even going to touch the sides. This is ridiculous. He could have had that thought process. And he could have had others. But what did he choose? He chose love, actually, because he said to Jesus, this is all I've got. I can see it's not even close to meeting the need, but I'm giving it to you. And we know the story. He gave his little bit to Jesus because he loved enough to step in and not shrink back. He loved enough to be offensive and proactive and not over-assess the situation. Let the enemy come in and go, you've never got enough. What do you think you're doing? How's that going to feed all that lot? Oh, I won't bother then. Have we lived there before? Well, is it time to stop allowing the enemy to talk us out of small acts which Jesus could multiply? Because there needs to be something shifting. Church, we need to put our faith and love on display. The world needs to see it. The school needs to see it. The community needs to see it. Your road and your workplace and your friendship groups need to see it. We've got to step up and stop talking ourselves out of it. It's love, actually. 5,000 plus people were fed that day with leftovers because he offered his little bit to Jesus. He could have chose selflessness. No, he chose selflessness. And he chose love. And he became part of the solution. And this is what I love. When we're willing to play our small part, Jesus can multiply our willingness. Maybe me, maybe you, maybe even us haven't got enough to be the answer to everything. But if we're willing to put our love on display and say, this is what we've got, God. Could you use it? Watch what happens. Watch what happens. All through God's word, we see consistently incredible outcomes by people who are willing just to choose love. All through it. 
And I believe it's when you put your love on display, it actually touches the heart of the Father, and he just says, I love that, I want to get behind it. I think I've said this before, but I love that program on TV called The Repair Shop. Give me a raise if you've seen The Repair Shop or like it. I love The Repair Shop. I love lots of things about it. One, just these skills these people have got, like almost like forgotten skills. You go in there and they're so clever. And you're like, that was amazing, that. And they tinker around. It's nice and slow paced. It's quite chilling. And it's just watch that. They go, oh, I'm just going to do this. And I'm thinking, I couldn't do that. And, just, do, 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 do. and people bring in their old heirlooms and their old memories of toys and stuff and they come in and there's this there's this teddy bear of a leg hanging off and an ear off and an eye hanging out and oh I used to have this teddy when I was five and my great granny gave it to me and it means lots to me and it means stuff to them and they're like do you think you could do something with it and they're like yeah okay well go away and we'll sort it out and they, they make teddy perfect don't know why I've chosen teddy but I've gone with teddy <laughs> gone with teddy and they come back and they put a sheet over it and said person comes in and says, oh, have you been able to do it? And they reveal Teddy and Teddy's perfect. And what happens? Most of the time, they are moved. They cry. I'm sitting in the front room going, oh, it's so, so nice, it's so nice, it's so nice. <laughs> Someone's cutting onions. <laughs> You're crying, not me. It moves you. And I think that is exactly what happens with our Heavenly Father. People come with their struggles and their needs. And we think there's no way we can help, but if we step in and say, we're going to try. The father's moved. And he's just like, you're crying, not me. But he gets his weight behind it. And our little bit suddenly turns into his big bit. And lives are changed. People are blessed. People are included. Lives are transformed. Why? Because we didn't back up and say, I can't do anything. We step forward and say, I'm going to do what I can. And God blesses it because it moves him. In the same way, when I'm watching that program, I think there's something very godly about it. It moves me. When I see lives that are hurting, something small comes in and they're just like, wow. The emotions flow. People want to be loved. God wants us to be his hands and feet. You know, in many ways, you could look at it like us, the church, are the repair shop. That people are coming in with broken lives, hurting and struggling. Is there something you could do with this? And we look at it, but we've got some skills. We've got some faith. We've got the ability to lay hands on someone. We've got the willingness to pray with someone. We've got the willingness to cook for someone, to stand with someone, to listen to someone, to counsel someone. God's given us skills. And as we put those skills on display, it's love actually. And lives are healed. Emotions flow. Reconnection happens. Suddenly people find themselves again. It's always what God wanted. It's love, actually. I, I love the story in, in the Old Testament with Ruth. And again, you may well be familiar with it, but to pray to you, Ruth has married this great guy. And uh, his brother has, has married another girl. And Naomi is the mum to the two guys. So Ruth is married to Naomi's son, and the guy dies, and then his brother dies. And so now we find a situation where Naomi hasn't got a male heir. And in that culture, if you didn't have a male heir, you were, you were going to become a beggar. Everything went with the men. That was the culture. And so she's struggling. 
And so she speaks to the girls and says, look, you know, let's mourn for a while, but you need to go back. Go back to your families. Go back to your home places. You know, go and find someone new. Make a life for yourself, which is great heart. But Ruth says something different. She sees it differently. And this is what she says in Ruth chapter 1 and verse 16, speaking to her mother-in-law who's just lost all of her male relatives and is left. It says this in Ruth 1.16. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. See, what she's doing there is love, actually. She's saying, it would be better and easier for me to go back to my family and rebuild my life. But I'm not going to leave you to struggle. I know how this plays out. And I'm going to go where you're going to go. And your people are going to be my people. And your God's going to be my God. It is a selfless act from me, but it's love, actually. Not going to leave you. I wonder what that did for Naomi in her heart. Wow, that is amazing. I want to be like that. I'm going to put myself out to make your life better. It's love, actually. And here's what I love about the Father's heart. When you follow the story, it all gets a little bit miraculous and a little bit outrageous, and it always does when God's in the middle of it. Naomi sends out Ruth to glean the fields. And when I say glean, basically the, the harvesters would go across the field, and of course they'd be picking up the bulk of it, but inevitably they'd leave little bits. And they would allow people to come behind and just pick up basket loads of, of, of what's left of the wheat and, 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 the, and the crops so they could feed themselves. And they were happy for that. And she'd be gleaning away. And then she'd go home to, to Naomi. I've got enough for today. And she'd, well done. And then the next day she'd go out. And the next day she'd go out. And the next day she'd go out. And people noticed. She got a reputation. This is, this is Naomi's daughter-in-law she could have gone back to her family but she chose to stay here and look at her faithfulness every day she's going out there to glean the fields just to get enough and they're getting by that's amazing what an amazing woman and here's what happened the owner of the field is called Boaz and he hears about it he's impressed by this character and attitude and love that is put on display by Ruth and says wow and so he he talks to his workers and I love this heart he says I tell you what guys accidentally leave a lot more don't just pick it all up leave loads and so as Ruth is coming behind so she's like oh bumper crop today we're gonna eat well why because her character and her love on display got noticed and it got noticed by someone who could make a difference that's God's heart for you when you start putting your love on display just you watch God back you You'll think, oh, I'm struggling, I'm only getting by here. And suddenly, as you're consistent, you'll think, this is getting easier. This is working out better than I thought, actually. But then God does what God does and just adds his super to mine and your natural. Boaz takes a shine to Ruth. Goes and meets her, likes the character, likes the love on display, likes what she looks like. And a romance develops. And he approaches Naomi and says, I'd like to marry your daughter. And Boaz marries Ruth. And so if you want to just boil it down, what's happened here is that Ruth has done a selfless act of love to stand with Naomi, when it would have been easy to do something else. She has then faithfully gone and served her mother-in-law, out gleaning in the fields, which probably was horrible. But her character got noticed. She then 
married the guy who owned the field. So in the long run, Ruth, in effect, now owns the field. That's the heart of the father. She was going around for scraps because she loved. And God says, I can back that. Now you own the field. That's awesome, isn't it? How about in advance, because I'm going to believe you're going to put some love on display after these messages. How about in advance, give the father a massive round of applause because you're going to have a story to tell. Come on. In advance, a clap of faith to say, God, I know you're going to back me. Because that's your heart. And he will. He's going to back you. I love the way the father works because when you, just like Jesus, do what the father does, he totally gets his weight behind it. And suddenly, you have a story to tell. Suddenly, there's ease. Suddenly, where you were concerned about putting yourself out there, you're like, actually, definitely doing that again. That was amazing. I wonder how many of us have got a story to tell of when you stepped out and loved someone. And I wonder how many of those stories you, you would say were miraculous endings. Or at least you could see the hand of God in it. So why can't we do it more and more and more and more? Because it's who we're called to be. Just like Jesus, I only do what I see the Father doing. Again, what could our town look like if a whole gang of people genuinely lived like that? Not knew it, but lived like it. And there is a difference. In Matthew 25, very famous passage, Jesus speaking um, about living in a way that tracks the heart of God. Matthew 25, verses 34 through 40 say this. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry or feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you, a stranger, invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. I'm right there is... I hope that stirs you, and I hope even if you've read that a million times, in this moment, with this anointing, it will stir you again. How you treat people is exactly how you're treating Jesus. Because he loves people. He came for people. And now he's come and revealed himself to people like me and you, and we carry Jesus in our heart. And now our call is to treat other people like Jesus treated me. And as, as we treat them that way, Jesus is saying, thank you. That's how you're treating me. And it's something we know, but I want to challenge us to, to be people who live like that. To be proactive. You know, we're in, in January, and so often we look at how the year's going to plan out, and that's, that's a good conversation to have. But a great question to ask yourself in December 2022 will be this. Who did I love? In December 2022, look back and go, who did I love? Here we are in January. We all have the same amount of time. As a church, we have this amount of time. Who could we love? And here's what I want to challenge us with. Let's get proactive. Let's do it on purpose. Let's make scenarios. Let's not just wait for it to come to us. Let's go out and love some people. Because that's how we treat Jesus. 
And he says, yes, I love you for that. I wonder if we could have story after story of lives that were touched by you. And I know so often in church life we can go, oh yeah, but it's God. And it is God, but God wants to work through you. You're the channel, you're the vessel, you're the body here right now. So would you, because of your love for Jesus, get proactive and step up and love someone? Because that's how you're going to treat Jesus. Wouldn't it be awesome if we had miraculous stories? Because we stop thinking, I don't have enough. What difference could little old me make? But instead, stepped up with the little bit you do have and put it on display. You know, all through our church life, we've talked about the miraculous, the miraculous, and I want to see the miraculous. But I believe in this moment, God is saying, just give me what you've got and let me add the miraculous. Don't you worry about how it's going to plan out. You just put yourself on display with the little bit you've got and watch me work. You'll have a story of the miraculous. It will come to you. But the ball church is in my court and your court. And will we be proactive? And will we love actually? Not know it, but live like it. Wouldn't it be awesome if you found yourself living your dream just like Ruth? And not because you chased your dream, but because you chased putting love on display. That was Ruth's story. She didn't chase the dream. She actually did the exact opposite. Her dream was to be married and be a homemaker and have a family and do life. That was her dream. But she chose to put love on display and ended up living a better dream. Married to the owner of the field. Could that be your story? That because you chose to be selfless and put love on display, you find yourself living not only your dream, but a better version of your dream because that's the heart of the Father. That's the miraculous hand of God right there. Here we are in this school. What would love actually look like here? Here we are on the estate, and I believe God's put us here on purpose. What would love actually look like here? Here we are in this town with all kinds of brilliant people and situations. What would love actually look like here? And we need to ask ourselves these questions and then get proactive about it. I'm challenging us to go offensive with love and not just defensive. Here's something I want to set up, and it's kind of an aside to the preach. But would you like to be part of a team that plans some love in action stuff? In the end, I can't do everything, but I can instigate conversations. I can get people together. Are you someone who says, yes, this kind of message stirs me. I do want to see people in this town loved, and I can't do it on my own. But maybe as a church we could. Would you want to be part of a steering group that says, we're going to get around a, a table and have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea or a beer or wine or whatever it is you're into. I don't really care about that side of it. What I care about is, is this conversation going to happen? To say, we're going to do something. And I'll back you. And we'll get together and we'll say, okay, this is the plan. And as the church gets his weight behind it, and this is where unity comes in, when we all pull together in one direction, God backs it. Blessing happens. Lives get changed. People get loved. Jesus is glorified. Could we do that? So if you're sitting here today thinking, oh, yeah, or if you're online and you watch this message later, you're thinking, yeah, will you reach out to me? Again, you can email the church. You can come to me, Ellie. Just get to me somehow and say, Pastor Barry, I want to be part of that team. 
I've got a few thoughts. I don't know if I've got it all, but maybe together we could bounce ideas together and we could make a little plan and we will back it and get behind it as a church. Maybe you're sitting here thinking, well, I don't think I want to be one of the planning team, but you know what? When they make a plan, I'm going to attend. I'm going to get my weight behind it because I want to put my love on display. Are you hearing me, church? It's so weird preaching to a bunch of masks. You know, I'm not quite sure if you're smiling. What's going on here? But come on, is there a heart of love in this church? Come on, could we make a difference in this town? Could we treat people like we treat Jesus? Could we make a plan and actually make a difference? Rather than talking about it. That's my hope as part of this year. And I want to round this message up here. In John 13 and verses 34 and 35. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You know, we know that. And in the end, I, I've always found, you know, God called me to lead a church, and I think church is hilarious because we're all so different. We've got different ideas on how it should run and what the vision should be on who we should re relate to. We've got different backgrounds. There's wealthy people here. There's people struggling financially here. There's multiple nations here. It's such a mishmash. And what draws us together? The blood of Jesus. We're a family, and you have all these different ideas. And I just wonder, church, if we could be better at putting love on display. Because we're not just a group of people who come to sing songs of love to the Lord and hear a nice message, but we're a people bonded by the blood of Jesus, cheering each other on to go further. And in it all, grow stronger, love deeper, and be together literally as a family, brothers and sisters. Could that be our actual experience and not just what the Bible says? We can do that. I love hearing stories around our church life. Um, a couple moved into our area recently and um, got a new place and uh, the grass was really long, really long. And they were like, oh, you know, is there somewhere I could buy a lawnmower uh, just so we could cut the grass and just make it look a little bit nicer? And my brother, Daniel, who, by the way, is not very well today, so pray for him. My brother, Daniel, heard about it. And because Daniel is someone who puts love on display, actually, he didn't just hear about it and think, I hope someone steps up. He stepped up. He turned up at their house unannounced with his lawnmower and cut the grass for them. Now, I don't know if Daniel will ever get to watch this back, but a round of applause for Daniel, because he might see it on the screen one day. See, that is love, actually, and that is treating the people in this church like you want to treat your family. I don't really know you yet. You're moved into the area, but you're part of my church. I'm going to love on you. Why? Because that's how we're going to be known. Ordinary people don't do that stuff, but church does. I love this thing we do that whenever anyone, um, any couple have a baby, in the first two weeks, we cook them a hot meal every day for two weeks. Are there any young mums in the room who can say, yes, I've experienced that, give me a wave. Yeah, there's a few in here, I think probably most of them are out in the, in the creche or the children's ministries. But there's something we do, and they always say it's so helpful in that moment when you've got a new baby, and you're back from hospital, and you, you don't know if you're coming or going, you know there's a hot meal there every day. That's love, actually. That's standing together. I love it when I hear stories of people hearing of someone's financial difficulty and they just go and pop some money through the door. 
love it because it's love actually and what is it it's being a family it's standing together i love it when i hear you speak well of each other it's love actually you, you don't have to go very far to be talked down to put down spoken about but as a family we choose to speak well of each other it's love actually so in all of this can we laugh lots can we spur each other on can we champion one another but can we be better at putting our love on display could we actually get a planning team together and say come on church we're going to get our way behind something can you challenge yourself in your unique situation with the people you're doing life with to step up because Jesus says what you do for the least of them you're doing for me and like I've unpacked when you do that God gets his super behind it and you'll receive a miracle you'll be a living walking talking miracle and that's exciting so I'd like to pray for you would you mind standing and I'm gonna pray over you guys I invite you just to close your eyes if you will let's have a moment everyone will be thinking something slightly different on the back of that message because we're all in different places so Lord we ask Holy Spirit would you prompt everyone in our unique set of circumstances would you prompt us what do you want of me how can I love better? How can I love bigger? How can I love a bit more outrageous? How can I put it on display? Prompt me, Lord. And Lord, it's my prayer that this wouldn't be a moment in time for everyone here, but this would become a lifestyle that every day we get up and say, Lord, let me love actually. Lord, let me see people and situations the way you see them. And I choose to offer the little bit I have to you. And say, could you use it? I'm going to declare miraculous outcomes for each of you as you put your love on display. Encouragements to you to go again and go again and go again. As you see people blessed. I want to pray for fresh boldness to all of you who have put love on display in the past and got knocked back boldness to you in Jesus name go again don't overthink don't talk yourself out of it don't back off put your love on display and Lord I want to lift up every brilliant person who have been hindered in displaying love because of things that have happened to them they haven't been loved they've actually been cast aside they've been belittled they've lost their confidence they've tried to put love on display in the past and it just didn't go how we hoped If you found yourself bound because of things like that I break those bonds in Jesus name and say for you today is a new day go again love again look at it again with fresh eyes look at it again with freedom 
as we close the service down uh, after the final song, I want to say if you're someone who feels bound up and unable to express these things because of whatever it might be, please come to the front. Let's pray together. Let's see some people free. Let's see some people running with love pounding in their hearts and on their lips and in their actions. Not hindered by an adversary who always wanted to bind us up. We are the church. God's family on earth. Here to put love on display. To grow together. To walk in faith. To make Jesus known. And we can do it. You can be part of that. We can do it together. So Lord, we say it again. Send us. Use us. Inspire us. We put the little bit we've got on offer to you and say, could you use it? And we do that in faith with an expectation of a miracle. That because we put our love on display, you will multiply it and the results will be a little bit outrageous and will bring a whole bunch of joy and laughter to your family. I declare it over you, church, in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Bless you guys. Bless you.